Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. Linode, a top infrastructure as a service provider, as voted by G2 and Trust Radius, has resources specifically for delivering digital experiences in the cloud with better ease and affordability while not being locked into long-term agreements and commitments. Their guide, The Golden Ratio of Price to Performance in Cloud Computing, details how alternative cloud providers and open source tools can lower costs and ease moving to multi-cloud environments. This resource and more at linode.com slash mspradio. Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by my good friend, Gil Cargill, who I don't even know how long I've known, at least 10 years, I would say. More. So, and uh, Gil is a sales trainer and coach. And uh, today we're going to talk about the importance of having a business-focused communication during sales calls. Uh, But Gil, first, why don't you give us some of your background, even though some of our listeners have met you before. Sure. I've been in sales uh, in the industry since before there was an industry. Uh, My first sales job was with IBM uh, way back in 1970. Uh, and in 1978, I resigned and started what is now Cargill Consulting Group, helping uh, what were in those days DOS dealers and uh, P- retail PC dealers sell more desktop uh, PCs. Uh, and I've evolved, hopefully, along with the industry. Uh, the technology gets away from me from time to time. But one of the things that excites me about today's topic is that regardless of the technology, Customers always make the buying decision based on results. And I'm going to help your audience understand how to communicate the results and the value of those results uh, to uh, get customers to invest in their services and their technologies. Is this partly just sitting down and thinking like a, like a buyer, like like? The, the person who needs technology but doesn't know how to express what they need. So they're like, you know, Gil, tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me what I need, but don't use your words, use my words. That, uh, that is exactly the issue with most buyers that are not as technology literate, if I could use that phrase, as the seller. If they are as literate as the seller, that's a different set of issues. But the vast majority of the men and women that approve budgets, especially budgets for um, new products, new services, are not technology literate. In some cases, they're technology illiterate, but they are business literate. And the whole issue is, let's talk about the P&L. Let's talk about business. Let's talk about results using the English language that they understand, not the technology language. And, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, do technology people have that dictionary, (laughs) right? I mean, do they feel comfortable like going in and saying, hey, let me talk to you about your P&L? Not not specifically the P&L, but the concept of profit and loss, of business operational issues. Uh, In my opinion, the vast majority of investments uh, by businesses 
are made with the foregone conclusion, it may be an assumption, that the, the investment will produce a permanent measurable improvement in one or more of their businesses operating conditions. It could be uh, time management, it could be response to their customers, could be productivity or whatever. But we tend to go into those businesses and engage in a language that I've nicknamed techno babble. <laughs> and you know, if you go to the trade shows where you and I meet many times, you'll hear techno babble coming from every booth and everybody in the room understands it. But I defy people to take that same conversation out to the hotel's uh, lunchroom or bar and have a conversation with a civilian, uh, which is my nickname for men and women that don't understand the technology. So we have to learn how to talk to customers about operating conditions, about the results they want without using technology. Then the magic is when the sales rep can say, oh, uh, Mr. Prospect, if I hear you correctly, you would like your business to do this, that, and the other thing. Is that correct? And when they say yes, then the sales rep needs to be enough of a consultant to say, well, if we do this and install this technology and put these things together, you can get that result. How does that sound? When you're operating in that mode, you're selling as a true consultative salesperson. When you're out pitching the features, uh, I call it the speeds and feeds of the technology, you aren't operating as a consultative salesperson. You are uh, a feature preacher, which is my nickname for that. Right. You know, it's interesting because uh, let's just say the last 10 years, maybe 15, but at least 10, we've moved away from selling a lot of like servers and networks and so forth. Now we're selling cloud services, but it still seems to be the case that the, the people in, in the IT go in and sell managed services. They, they're like, let me tell you what's great about our program, right? There's, right. there's tier one, tier two, tier three, pick one, and I'll be happy to explain all the details. And even though those details are not speeds and feeds anymore, they're still, oh, you get three of these and six of those, and you get antivirus and spam filtering, and you still haven't discussed anything that's related to the client. Correct. And <laughs> so. in, in one sense, those are you know, the, the new version of speeds and feeds. Right. So, and what uh, amazes me, one of the things I do, I did pre-pandemic, uh, our world has become calendared by the pandemic, but pre-pandemic, I'd go out in the field with my client salespeople and I'd watch the sales professional give a presentation to the prospect. And when the prospect embraces what I refer to as the cocker spaniel look, you know, if you've ever had a dog, when the dog's confused, he'll tilt his head back and forth and prospects will give you that look. And that's a clue that they don't understand a word that you're saying, but they don't want to admit that they are not as smart as you uh, make them feel they should be. So as a result, they uh, are inhibited from asking questions. So I don't want to know what the, uh, the speeds are of your technology. I don't want to know if I get one hour response time or five hour response time. What I want to know is how will a relationship with you and your company produce measurable improvements in one or more of my business's operating conditions? If you can help me improve operating conditions at my business, 
especially if improving them removes the pain in the you know what for me, then I will embrace you and say, have a cup of coffee, tell me more. If you go into techno babble with the, uh, you know, the technologies uh, that you're going to offer, I won't uh, embrace you and you won't get any coffee out of me, much less. A <laughs> so, but, you know, what's funny is we kind of know this, like when you walk into a booth at a, an IT event, you don't care about their menu options. Like right. for me, it's like, how can I make money if I engage with your service or your business? Right. So, so we already know this as buyers. So why don't we know it as sellers? <laughs> I think it's because of the training that salespeople get. If you look at all of the hours that are invested in training a salesperson, uh, let's say into our industry. So you hire a young college grad from ABC school and uh, he or she goes into training. My observation is less than 10% of the training hours, time, effort is dedicated to understanding how your services impact a business's operating conditions. 90% is on the different technologies, the different manufacturers. And if the training is being done by a manufacturer, then it's all about the speeds and feeds of the manufacturer's product. And in, in reality, I believe the best MSP sales professionals solve business problems for their customers uh, with the best combination of manufacturers, products, and services. We're way past the, you know, back when I started, you know, you could lead with, well, you know, we have this, uh, this kind of speed. We have uh, eight inch floppy disk compatibility or whatever. Uh, and people would go, oh, wow. And look, the screen is green. Oh, <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, we're, we're way past that kind of selling. We have to solve business problems. Otherwise, all you're going to do is meet people and produce quotes and pray. Right. And, and that's working for some guys. That's one of the problems in the industry. They're making enough money and enough is always relative doing the sales process incorrectly. Well, there's still people who only sell hardware and software. And so they use a different technique. Let me just take a break and make sure everybody knows how to get a hold of you. It's guildcarguild.com and uh, um, probably there's a contact form there if they need it. Yes. So, so yes. how do we, how do you train people? Like, how do you take somebody who's been selling many services and say, okay, let me show you a different way to have this conversation. Like, uh, do you just tell them, if you physically tear up your three-tiered price list and, <laughs> you know, what, what, do you, what do you do? What's the ABCs? Well, the, uh, uh, to simplify a you know, multi-day training program, uh, the first step is we need to erase any preconceptions about what we're going to sell the account. So I want us to go in uh, with almost a childlike naivete and ask questions like, you know, why am I here? What issues? prompted you to meet with me because no one will meet with you because they're bored and lonely. So let's <laughs> take that off the table and listen to the customer to hear and perceive uh, issues that the customer is having challenges with. Uh, the, you have to have the customer 
say that my inventory is always out of whack, or you know I'm spending too much time, uh, money on overtime, or you know we can't find the uh, data in the reports without spending uh, hours and hours of time looking for them. Until you can resolve those issues, then you're not going to have a good chance of selling. Once you've crystallized the issues, you must get an agreement. And I literally teach to say, so if I understand you correctly, uh, Mr. Prospect, when I do this, that, and the other thing, you will authorize an engagement with my company. Is that correct? And if they say, uh, and we're adding the hypothetical now, we're not laying out prices, we're not laying out products, we're not giving them, you know, from column A, you get this, and B, you get A for young, or whatever. We're getting a hypothetical agreement that, you know, Carl, you said these things were issues. I believe I can resolve them, assuming I can. Would you authorize an engagement? If they say no, then go back to the beginning and say, I'm confused. What, you know, I thought you wanted to make these things go away. If they say yes, that's when you put a proposal together that stresses in English, not in technobabble, in English, the value of the results that we'll produce. Now, the proposals that are produced today, more often than not, are sales suppression devices, not sales enhancement. And here's what well, I... Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, the, the, the acid test is take your proposal to a friend, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, someone who's not in the industry, and ask them to read it, and then ask them their opinion. If they don't say, wow, this really looks like you're going to help this guy, then your proposal isn't written in English. It's written in technobabble. And technobabble doesn't sell. Actually, it unsells <laughs> the customers. <laughs> so you're doing a lot of work, spending a lot of time to push customers away from you. So if the proposal isn't communicating how much improvement we'll give them, yeah, then uh, we, we aren't stressing our value. Um, and that's, uh, all, of all the proposals I've seen going back, gosh, 40 some years, uh, most of them are just laundry lists of what you're going to get. And the customers can't understand what one product looks like versus another. So uh, it, it's crazy that we keep doing that to ourselves. So, um... <clears throat> I just want to make sure I'm clear. So is this on a first call that you would try to get this verbal agreement so that basically, let's say somebody says, here's the deal. My people are wasting all their time, you know, printing out emails and then sorting them and then, you know, moving them around the office and this and that. And I say, instead of, I know exactly the solution. I say, wait a minute. So I just make sure I'm clear and I reflect back to them what they've told me. Right. If I can solve that problem, will you buy from us? I wouldn't use the word buy because that's a nasty word. But <laughs> I, I, I would. And what I do before I ask the question is I, I, I get some clarification. So, Carl, your people are printing out invoices and moving them around. Out of curiosity, how much time do they spend doing that? Oh, I don't know. Well, can you put a number on it? Yeah, let's say 20 hours a day. Okay. And what would you do with that 20 hours if it was given back to your company to do something more productive? I see. So you're building value. I'm building a ton of value. 
And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, the prospect has an initiative that they would like to implement. So, you know, Carl, what I'm really hearing here is that an engagement with my company will give you the manpower, the resource that you need to get those parking lot stripes painted green instead of yellow, which I just heard you say is one of your big initiatives for this year. Am I correct? And now I'm going to get a commitment by saying, so uh, assuming I can prove that we can do this, will you authorize an engagement? And it's still hypothetical. Dollars aren't on the table. Product specifications aren't on the table. SLAs aren't on the table. But it's I need him to say, yes, Gil, you and I have synchronized and we're going to solve this problem together. And from that point, that's when I start getting product specific. But until you have that upfront agreement, I call it a quid pro quo, until you have that in place, uh, you're smoking a controlled substance if you think you're going to close the deal. No longer controlled in many states. So um... yeah, I'm in California. <laughs> yeah. I, we don't even have to go to the store to buy it. They deliver. Exactly. They deliver it to us. So, um, so what's interesting to me is that this reminds me of the old term solution provider. Yep. And it seems to me at, at this moment, I'm reflecting back to the prospect. There are three things that could be going on in my head. One is I know exactly what I'm going to sell them. One is I have no idea what I'm going to sell them, but I know that I, I can figure it out. Uh, and the third is kind of in the middle. Like I think this is going to involve a certain kind of technology, but I don't discuss any of that at this point. Right. Because my competition will discuss it at this point and scare my prospect away. I want my prospect to be very comfortable with me and my company. And this approach it attracts and embraces prospects going in with your guns firing, saying you need one of these, one of those, 14 of these and whatever. All that does is scare people away. So I do I dig deeper into the problem? Like, tell me more about, like, you know, are these the standardized invoices or is it a different invoice for everybody? Yeah, tell me more. How often does this occur? And here is the, probably the strongest phrase I can use to get a customer to come to my site. Carl, how does it make you feel? <laughs> and if they Like go, a therapist. Huh? Just like a therapist. Human beings change most rapidly when their feelings are on the table. And that's therapy, that's psychology. Yeah, it's been well-documented. And salespeople that don't use this technique are the ones that just go out and pitch and pitch and pitch. But when I hear, oh, it's making me crazy. And you know, depending on how much change is involved, I could say things like, well, what have you done to try and uh, reduce this? How often have you done that? Gosh, that's really crazy. I, and I like that. How, what have you tried? Like, yeah. like tell, tell me what has not worked for you. What so. have you tried? How often have you tried it? Uh, out of curiosity, what did it cost you to get that, uh, you know, that previous uh, strategy in place? All of those things uh, are building blocks that uh, tip the scales in my favor. And uh, the more of those things you can do, the more comfortable the customer is with you and uh, the less the customer views you as a peddler. And you see, I want to be viewed as a partner, not a peddler. Peddlers go in and their whole orientation is, 
I need. I need time. I need money. I need a commitment. I need you to change the way you run your business. I need you to pay attention to me. And, you know, there's this laundry list of needs. And we all are repulsed when a stranger approaches us, uh, even if they're saying, you know, I need five bucks or I need five million bucks. Uh, they, 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 they all have that uh, repulsion. Uh, I, on the other hand, say, I don't know if, I need, if you need me or not. But if you're like the customers that I've worked with, here are the results we can anticipate. Carl, assuming I could do that, would you authorize an engagement? So oh. make it easy for them to buy. Right. I, my guess is about half the people listening right now are have an objection in their head, which is my prospects will be pushing me at this moment. How much, how much, how much? And of course, you can't tell them how much because you don't have any idea what the solution is yet. <laughs> right. So well, was, how, how do you manage that? Well, I make it a joke. And, you know, this is my personality. If this works for you and your listeners, great. But don't try to copy my personality, copy my strategy. What I say is, well, Carl, you know, tell you the truth, uh, the fee's not nearly enough relative to the savings you're going to get. <laughs> so, and, and, and I make it a joke. And in all seriousness, Mr. Prospect, I really don't know what the fee will be. But well before I ask you to make any kind of a commitment, I'll have everything you need in writing uh, for you to evaluate. Is that fair? And so as a side check, do people actually ask that question as often as MSPs fear they will? No, not even. I'd say 5%. Really? Uh, yeah. The, the, we, uh, the calls that I've gone on the MSP, I've had salespeople while we're still in the parking lot. We haven't even gone into the lobby of the building yet. Say, well, this guy's going to wind up buying an XYZ and we're going to pay, he's going to do level three and it's going to be, you know, $3,000 a month. And, you know, we haven't gotten past the receptionist yet. <laughs> so we, we have to have a, uh, I, I try to train people to say, just have a blank mind, have an open mind because you don't know what you don't know about this customer. And until you know what you need to know, you're always going to be uh, shooting in the dark. And it's just, uh, I've said it a thousand times and uh, I don't know why we lead with this. Now, the real tragedy is I'm willing to bet, I would bet a significant amount of money and certainly a bottle of good wine to, um, uh, say that most sales that are lost by MSPs could have been closed had they approached the customer differently. When the customer doesn't know the results they're going to get, when the customer looks at a proposal that they can't understand, and, and, and the proposals I like will say things like, well, Carl, we're going to save your staff 20 hours per week in manipulating that email as you described, or approximately 20 hours per week. When the customer says, I'm not buying a, an MSP relationship, I'm buying 20 hours a week, that's when it's easy for me to close. And you, you, so you have to get to that. Uh, again, a lot of people make money selling the wrong way, and then they go out and repeat it. 
So would you say it's fair to say that um, if a prospect asks you the price that you have not learned enough about the prospect? Bingo. And, uh, and if I quote a price, whatever number I give them will be uh, bad for me because uh, the, the tendency is to underquote. And I don't know how to say, oh, well, it'll give or take me a thousand bucks a month. I don't know how to go back and say, well, Carl, I really meant 4,000 a month. So, right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough dis- uh, discussion to have. So, do you think the, the the standard way of selling managed services, which is you know, here's my beautiful three tiered price list, pick one, um, has killed a lot of sales? Oh yeah, because not it's, it hasn't killed enough for the industry <laughs> to change. Because oh, like I, like I yeah, said, because it seems to me that that a lot of new engagements start with a project. I will bring you in. You'll fix my problem, and then we'll talk about a managed service deal. Right. Uh, and so, when people lead with the managed service, they should probably lead with the project, solve that problem first, and say, "And by the way, you know, if you want to, if you actually want to save money, sign the, the contract, and we'll do the maintenance." Yeah. But uh, they that uh, I have found, uh, and a lot of my clients have had difficulty fixing the problem and then transitioning to the MSP agreement. Um, so it's, I have a little bit of a toss up. I would rather prospect for MSP relationships and find fixing uh, problems as gravy, if you will. Uh, you know, right. Because along the way, then, you know, the phone will ring. But if you are prospecting for MSP relationships, then your uh, your your process becomes predictable and scalable. If you're hoping for projects to come along, then you're going to be a uh, you know three four person organization forever. So in the world of if you could start with a project and then sell managed services, or start with managed services and then sell a project, which would you rather? If I owned an MSP, I would sell managed services. And when projects came along, uh, say that you know that's gravy, because if from the outset I'm talking about a month-to-month long-term relationship, shifting gears to fix a project is pretty easy. If uh, what uh, I've observed is when you go in to fix a project, when the project is fixed, the customer says thank you very much, see you later, goodbye, because that was the scope of the relationship. So. Uh, and you know the customer got what they expected. Um, what about the technique of saying, well, here's the project and the labor is whatever, $250 an hour, but if you sign a managed service deal, that you know it goes down to $150 an hour. I hate that. Because what that's saying is my uh, labor isn't really worth $250 an hour, it's worth <laughs> $150 an hour. And uh, so now you're teeing, you're setting your, yourself up for a price, uh, price argument. You know, God forbid you had to go into the hospital for surgery. Uh, and the surgeon said, well, if you come in on Saturday, it's only 150 an hour for me to, to cut you open. But, you know, I'm really sharp on Mondays. So <laughs> <laughs> it's 250 an hour. Yikes. Okay. You know? All right. What if, what if it were smaller? What if it's, uh, you know, literally uh, it's $200 an hour, but, you know, if you sign the managed service deal, you're buying bulk pricing for the year and it would only be 195 an hour. Is that, you know, does that 
same exact argument or not a big enough change to make a difference? Um, Picking nits? Yeah, I think you are. And this is, and I'm, I'm debating because um, what I'm going to say is going to prompt some controversy. If we sell at our retail rate and don't drop prices, then we have to build value that exceeds the investment. And one way to build value is to discount. The other way is to solve massive problems. I would rather spend the energy to quantify, define, and isolate a massive problem and then resolve it. Now, I'm sure that there are MSPs who will say, well, Cargill, you're the one smoking a controlled substance because here in you know, Chattahoochee, Tennessee or whatever, you have to discount. I completely disagree with that. And I know I'm controversial when I say that, but I sold for IBM and I know people are gonna say, well, that was then, not now. But we had, on my first day of employment, I signed a contract with IBM as a new employee that said, if I discounted anything, I would be fired. <laughs> if I discounted a box of carbon paper from three bucks to $2.50, I would be fired or whatever the prices were. And I saw salespeople fired for discounting uh, you know, it's more than a box of carbon. Well, paper. especially with regard to labor, because I'm a firm believer the price is the price is the price. Amen. We're in good agreement. <laughs> right? Because it's, I think you should never discount the single most important thing you sell. Exactly. And to and, and a completely separate podcast, uh, as a business coach, it is harder to make money when everybody's on a different price scale. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you've, you've added a layer of management to your own company just to keep track of what price everybody's at. So, well, cool. The, the, well, sadly, we got like one minute left. So let me oh just boy. plug gilcargill.com and uh, then I'll let you take it out and plug some more. Well, thank you all very much. And uh, if any of your audience are looking for ways to grow their top line, we offer a complimentary company-wide assessment that will produce a 66 page long action plan identifying how every MSP can drive their top and bottom line, have more fun, make more money and kick some butox as my coach used to say. <laughs> and that's all available. There's a form at gilcargill.com. You got it. Very good. Thank you, sir. This has been yet another SMB community podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.